Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. All April long, we are focusing on financial literacy. Arkansas is ranked 40th nationally in it. We are on a mission to improve those numbers. This week, a closer look at employer-sponsored retirement plans. What you need to know to take full advantage and how to utilize those savings in retirement. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. All across the state of Arkansas, it's time to settle in, saddle up for another hour of straight talk about your finances, your retirement. It is time once again for the Get Ready for the Future show. Glad to have you along. My name is Scott Inman. To my right, John Shrewsbury. To his right, Janet Walker. And in the fourth chair today, Troy Johnson, an advisor here in the Bryant office. Good morning to you all. Good morning. morning. Yes, all all in unison today. Did did you practice that before we We came on today? We did. Yeah. Hey, we are glad to have a spring sprung across the natural state. It is starting to green up everywhere. And we are excited about all month long in April talking about financial literacy. This is a passion for us here at GenWealth, one of our uniques is that we are education-driven. That's why we do GenWealth Academy workshops. That's why we do this radio show. We hope each and every week someone is taking something away and they, from this program that they can apply to their savings, to their retirement plan, to their investing. And today we are getting into, as we continue all month long, April is National Financial Literacy Month. Last week we talked about the fundamentals, the basics like budgeting. Uh, avoiding debt. Today, we're really getting a deep dive on employer-sponsored retirement plans. Now, I'm sure many of you listening today are probably already contributing to an employer-sponsored plan, but do you really know how to best utilize it? And maybe you do, but this is a good refresher for you to kind of totally understand the the mechanics behind these plans. And it is vitally important. You know, I mentioned, guys, in the open that we are ranked 40th out of 50 states nationally when it comes to financial literacy. I read something that really hit home for me earlier this week as well. As you talk about uh, generationally, and we have three generations represented here right today. On, on we the, do. On the table. Yes. I don't know that we need to point out who's who, but you know, I, I will say I'm the Generation Xer. Janet, so am I. Janet is a Generation Xer. Of course, you've got the baby boomers and millennials in there too. Generation X is de- defined as being born between 1965 and and 1980. There's a new survey from MetLife. It's the 17th annual U.S. Employee Benefit Trends Study, finding that the Generation Xers are more likely to be least prepared for retirement than any generation uh, in America. A couple of the findings, they are more likely to say they will never retire and may remain in the workforce for the next 30 years. Only one in five, 18%, less than one in five, uh, say they ever plan to retire compared to 14% of millennials, 12% of boomers. And I just find this a little discouraging, but Janet, you and I, before we were going on the air today, started to kind of talk about the possibilities of why that is. We are, I, I've referred to us as the sandwich generation when it comes are. to financial literacy yeah. because things have changed so much. Yeah, they absolutely have. Uh, when First of all, when you say the sandwich generation, for one thing, and we've dealt with this a lot in my family, we are literally the sandwich generation in terms of taking care of the older generation as, as right. they're you know nearing the end of life, frankly and taking care of the younger generation. And that is, frankly, part of why our generation at this point is not prepared. But you and I really talked about some of the distinctions that are unique to our generation. And one of those things is, you know, when when our parents were coming of age and they needed a vehicle, they either waited or they bought one with cash. You know, there was no financing of a vehicle. There were no student loans. So they either paid for college or they didn't go, didn't go. Yeah. you know, and, and, and that was okay. And they got a job and they made income. And the point is they did not start out with debt where a lot of our uh, age group really did start out with debt. And we always talk about that parents don't talk to their kids about money. You know, parents didn't know, our parents didn't know 
to talk to their kids about student loans and car loans and credit card debt and all of that because those are challenges that were out there for us that were frankly not there for them at such a young age. It didn't start for them until they were well into adulthood. Yeah, and when you figure that the rule, the law that created the 401k, which right. is a reference to the section of yeah, the, the law, tax code. the mm-hmm. 401k was created in the 70s. That's when we were kids and our parents had no clue what the 401k right. was because they hadn't grown up in it. And at that time, you think back, John, to the 70s and 80s, their pension was the prevalent retirement vehicle, not the 401k. And it shifted during Generation Xer's lifetime. Absolutely. And and things will continue to shift. You will see changes as time goes on. But let me just kind of get on a soapbox for just a second about this. You know, you, you referenced that article and said that, you know, a lot of people were expressing hopelessness in, in the ability to retire. Well, if you think it's hopeless, then it is. Right? Yeah. And, and I think that you've got to have this almost evolutionary mindset about things as as we go through the world, as a matter of fact, not just money and finances, but the world. You've got to be thinking about how you adapt and change and how you overcome things. You can't be a victim of something. You've got to be victorious over yeah. something. And I believe that, that you've got to have that kind of mindset before you can even attempt to win. So that's my soapbox there. But you're right that things have changed. What does this mean? It means that it's really more on us as individuals than on companies to take care of our own retirement. That's really the message of the 401k plan. And that has been a boom for some folks that have been diligent in terms of what they've done with their 401k, that they've learned how to utilize it, they've learned how to invest in it. But it's also been a bust for a lot of people that didn't have any financial education. When we talk about financial literacy, I know there are probably people that are snoozing you know it's like eh, well that's that's that's, yeah, that's boring well <laughs> yeah. it's only boring troy to the point that it begins to affect your life yeah just like your retirement's on you your financial yeah. literacy is on you as well that's right here's the good news for arkansans like scott said in the open we're ranked 40th out of 50 states for financial literacy just a few years back we were ranked 48th right. so we've actually made some improvement over the years yeah. That's so significant. hopefully we're going in the right direction here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I would I would say going back to this this concept, this unique of gen wealth of being education driven. I would say that the moral of the story here is to pay attention to what's changing. I, I remember my grandfather telling me, "Now, honey, I got into that social security thing just as soon as it started." And frankly, he did. He was born in 1913, <laughs> and so social security for him was a, a great deal. You know, and then you think about what came along for our generation, Scott, paying attention to credit card debt and student loans. For us, it was paying attention to the things we might want to avoid. And then when the 401k came along to understand it and go, hey, we got to get in. And then when the Roth 401k became an option to go, ooh, what's that? Help me understand that. I need some of that too. Mm -hmm. That's really where you need to be is to go, What's going on? What's changing? What do I need to understand that I didn't know about last year? And do I want it or do I want to avoid it? Yeah, you don't need to do the proverbial eye roll when it comes to talking about financial literacy. We're just talking about your life here. We're just talking about your money. We're just talking about everything that is driven by finances is really at the root of it is what you know about finances, what you know about this, because the world is not going to change. and, And all of a sudden, everybody has a big pension again. It's not going to happen. Those things went away for a reason because they were incredibly expensive and companies were focused on the bottom line and pension expense was a drag on profits. Right. And that's why that that went away. That's the fact of life. I don't see that changing in our lifetimes at all. So you just got to dive in and get used to the fact that you got to learn some stuff. Is it stuff that's fun? Eh, probably not. We think it's fun, but we're nerds. You know? <laughs> but, but it is something that... It is very vital to your existence, and and we're talking about it all week here on the all, all month on the Get Ready for the Future show. Yeah, and we are going to take a break. On the other side of the break, though, we are going to be joined by Ryan Dietrich, senior market strategist for LPL Research. He joins us each and every month to talk about markets and the economy. So he is going to uh, be our guest on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Like what you hear? The Get Ready for the Future show is always just a click away. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website, getreadyforthefuture.com. We'll be right back. 
Life can be so busy, it's hard to even picture retirement. That's why you need somebody you can trust who will paint that picture and help turn dreams into reality. Plan, personalize, and protect your future with the team at GenWealth. Call 877-341-7355 to schedule an appointment. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. Well, as we usually do once a month, we have our special guest, Ryan Dietrich, who is the Senior Market Strategist for LPL Research, coming up on the radio program today. So we utilize the fastest four minutes in investing on those weeks to kind of a little, I talk a little broader view, a little more generally, and really, I guess, John, use this segment to set up Ryan, who is going to talk more specifically about market trends and what he is seeing in the market, what LPL Research is doing. But one of the things we're going to talk about is that LPL Research has pulled back their allocation a little bit in many of their portfolios to equities. Uh, and there's a reason for that, but we need to probably set that up and explain it. Yeah. So I think if the, we can give any value to you, the listener or the viewer on our social media pages or even our clients, it is perspective. And so we always want to keep things in perspective because when you get things out of perspective, that's when you begin to mess up. You do the wrong thing at the wrong time for the wrong reason because you react emotionally. So here's what we know, Scott. We are at our, our near all-time highs on almost every market market indices that is out there. And so, you know, the the question obviously is, well, when's the next pullback coming? When right. are we going to have a downturn and all of that? I want to be sure that we remind everyone why you are invested in equities. You're invested in equities because it is one of only two asset classes that long-term has outpaced inflation and given you the ability to increase your income over time or to grow your money beyond the average inflation rate over time. And so equities do continue to play a big role in your uh, portfolio, regardless of where we are in the market. Yes, there are things that we want to do, and Ryan's team helps us to uh, make some adjustments as far as the allocation to equities and all of that type of thing is concerned. But uh, there has never been an allocation at GenWealth that I think has been at all successful that did not have a good dose of equities in it. And I want to pick up on what you said there and that's long term. So as we yes. speak to people today, regardless of the decade of life you're in, I think it's easier to have that mindset when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s and you know that your exposure to equity and that monthly statement comes in and maybe it's down like it was at the end of 2018 to understand you're not going to need that money for 20 plus years. Yeah. You, but you, on but when you're older is, is what I'm going to transition to is is that becomes a little uh, a tighter of a conversation because you think you're going to need that uh very soon. But when you talk about the way we plan here, John, going through the Gen Wealth Ready to Retire process, the equity buckets, if you will, are still for long-term investing. Yeah, you may be 55 years old and think retirement is right at the at the doorstep, but you're still going to need some money when you're 75 or 80 years old. You need to be able to grow that money so you can increase your income over that time, and that's where we use equities. We wouldn't use equities if you're going to need that money in the short term. You know, yes, you're not going to spend all of your retirement money at 55 or at 60 or at 65. You're going to need some short-term money, and we're going to invest that money differently. But for that money that is to be earmarked, if you will, mm -hmm. for 70, 75, 80 years old, even if you're at the doorstep of retirement, you still want to have some equity exposure to give you that growth potential that could be out there. So the long-term mindset means it depends on when you're going to sell and then what you're going to sell from when you need your assets to become income. I hearken back to a client meeting that I had when uh, they were needing to take some money out and their advisor called them to ask them what they'd like to sell to receive that as income. Well, that doesn't happen here at GenWealth. We are very specific about where we're taking the income. Absolutely. And, and you always want to think about what is my plan? When things get rocky, and Ryan's going to tell you that things are likely to get rocky over the next few months, when things get rocky, go back to your plan, mm -hmm. go back to the strategy that you implemented, because strategy eats the market for breakfast. It yeah. really does. That's it for the Fastest Four. Back in a moment. Your retirement should be more. More than just investments. More about you. And more Get Ready for the Future show. Stay tuned for more. 
we've got Gen Wealth Academy workshops happening in your area. To find out more, visit our website at www.getreadyforthefuture.com slash events. Now, back to the Get Ready for the Future show. All month long, it is Financial Literacy Month, and we are taking a time now on the Get Ready for the Future show to chat with Ryan Dietrich, who is the Senior Market Strategist for LPL Research, joins us each and every month on the program. Good morning to the, you, sir. He is the most financially literate person we know. That's right. <laughs> That's why true. we have him on. If it's Financial Literacy Month, we better have Ryan on. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me back. And don't put too much pressure on me there. So I get shy when I hear something like that. We believe I'm in you. To be back and look forward to talking markets with you guys. Yeah. Well, we always enjoy the visit. And we were talking before we started recording today. You've been you've been all over the place. Your travel schedule is 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 rather enviable. Tell us about where all you've been. That's right. Just last week, I was in Beverly Hills for a big event with some LPL advisors. This week, I'm actually home. Next week, I get to go to New York City uh, to do some presentations and meet with some advisors. And then two weeks from now, I get to go down to Orlando. I'm actually staying on the Disney Resort right next to Epcot. So I'm not going with my family, so I feel guilty because spring break just didn't work. But I'm going to walk around yes. Epcot for a couple hours uh, about two weeks from now just by myself. I can't wait. It should be it, a blast. It's a scouting trip when you go by yourself. I, I, I've been there. I've done that. So it's just scouting for the for the family for later. Yeah, You'll get over exactly the guilt. It'll correct. be okay. <laughs> well, let's talk a little uh, finance for just a moment, Ryan. This week uh, really does begin in earnest. The earnings season report uh, reporting period. And we're hearing some signs of some weakness, obviously, in the first quarter. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys at Research are thinking about when it comes to Q1 of 2019. That's right, John. First things first, Q1 historically, if you look at GDP and to a degree earnings, has been weak since this cycle started. And believe me, you can talk to 10 people, get 10 answers. We do think it's kind of a hangover from the holiday spending season, along with kind of weather. And this year is looking very similar, where GDP should be a little bit weak in the first quarter of this year and then pick up the second half of the year. But getting to earnings, first quarter earnings are kicking off with financial stocks later this week here. And the bottom line is most people are looking for down about 4% year over year for the S&P 500. That's the first time in seven, potentially the first time after seven quarters of consecutive growth. I mean, in the fourth quarter last year, Earnings are up, you know, up over 20%. So believe me, this is a big drop. And why is it dropping? Well, we've got some pretty high bar set from a year ago when we had the tax reform taking over and the real strong earnings coming in. But the bottom line to us, if you look at history, earnings come in a little bit better than expected, right? Analysts set the bar low. You have about 5% to the upside potentially. So if we're down 4%, if my math is right, you add 5 we have a shot at being positive in the first quarter. But believe me, it's going to be pretty much flat when all is said and done, in our opinion here. So let's talk about moving forward. What we see from the research team, we continue to hear a positive outlook overall. So what's ahead for us? Well, that's right, Janet. So bottom line, we continue to have a 3,000 fair value target on the S&P 500. As we record this, it's about 4% away from here. So we think you know, a little bit more upside is likely, but it's, it's going to be a rocky road. I mean, the S&P is up 23% from the December 24th lows, approximately. So think mm -hmm. about that. But something else to consider, look at the presidential cycle. If you look at midterm year lows and then hold out a year, since World War II, the S&P 500 has been up every single year, up 32% on average. So what I'm getting at, there is room to go. We could have some more gains as we get you know, later this year by the, simply looking at the cycle. But at the same time, it's going to be rocky. You don't just have 23% gains in three months and then just continue to go higher, right? I mean, that's kind of why we've kind of reeled back the reins a little bit. We didn't panic as I was coming on with you guys in you know, December, January, February saying, hey, the economy is still strong. We think stocks are going to bounce back. Now the S&P is right about an all-time high. NASDAQ's right there. So we've really bounced back, and we still see positives on the fundamental front, which, which we can maybe get into more. But it's going to be a rocky road, but we still think 3,000 is a likely place for the S&P to end up when all is said and done in 2019. Well, given that uh, outlook for the economy, when we start talking about opportunities, what, what's, what are you seeing when you look at your research and, and as far as investment opportunities or investment decisions being made by LPL Research? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, that's that, great question. So like I said, the first decision, and we kind of talked about it last month, we're reining in some of our bullish optimism on stocks just a little bit. We expect, you know, potentially a 10% correction sometime later this year, late in the economic cycle, which we are. This will be a 10-year economic cycle of growth, um, the longest ever in history potentially here, later this summer. So late in the cycle, you get more volatility. And let's let's not forget the, the stuff with China going on. We think we're inching closer to a trade deal with China. Potentially that comes in play. Get a little sell the news, sell in May. Whatever the reason could be, we're always worried about something. But turning to investments, we still think stocks are a place to go, right? I just said maybe 4% on the S&P 500 the rest of this year, but it's going to be a rocky road. But when we look under the surface a little bit, we look around the world. We look at emerging markets. Emerging markets have underperformed a little bit this year. We still see solid growth, still see solid um, valuations. That's a group we like. And then again, getting more into it, I know I think another question coming is value versus growth. Value has historically underperformed growth. And believe me, you talk about a contrarian trade, what nobody wants to dip their toe in, it's value. And when we consider the fact the economy could pick up the second half of the year more than most people think, simply because that's kind of been the trend and some positives that are still there, we think value can be a place, again, to find more than 4% upside, right? I said the SP might go up 4%, but under the surface, value in emerging markets are two places we really think can do better than that 4% the rest of this year. Ryan, the markets have clearly been focusing their attention on what's going on with tariffs and particularly China and what have you. Have they already kind of baked in a deal into the pricing of the market with China as far as uh, the tariffs are concerned? Or could we see a pop if if the administration does strike some sort of deal with China soon? Sure, John. Well, near term, we do think a lot of it's priced in. Think of it like this. As we speak, the Chinese stock market's up 40% for the year. S&P's up maybe 15%. So believe me, a lot of that is priced in. I know we had the Fed pivot, which we've talked about before, where now the Fed is more dovish, probably not going to hike rates. But a lot of that, obviously, is looking forward to some type of deal with China. And every day we get some new news, we are inching closer to that finish line, You know, dotting the I's, crossing the T's with some type of resolution with China. But we do think a lot of that's probably in the near term baked in and it could be potentially a sell the news type of deal and when you're up 23 percent in three months like the S&P is and even more in some other specific groups I mean technology has just gone straight up you know you can have a sell the news reason for anything and we do think with the seasonal kind of sell in May go away period rocky potential summer this year which we kind of expect with stocks it makes sense to us that it could be some type of deal like that but it's still bigger picture it's a positive right I mean last year the trade stuff was the big uncertainty that kicked off 2018 which nobody saw coming, even though we had a solid economy and solid earnings growth, had negative stocks for the first time in nine years. Well, we can get that out of the way and look forward, and we do still see some opportunity. Just near term, it is a concern of ours once that deal finally is uh, completed. So, Ryan, we've talked a little bit about value versus growth. Another conversation that just seems to be ongoing, frankly, in our careers, but especially now and in, in where we are in the market. Um, talk to our listeners a little bit. If they're approaching retirement or maybe early in retirement, what's your thought for them? What do they need to understand right now about interest rates and bonds? Because so many people have just always gone to bonds for safety. Mm-hmm. What's your thought on what the retirees need to know at this point? Sure. Well, there's always, Jane, a great question. There's always a place for fixed income and some more safety play in a well-diversified portfolio, especially as you continue to age. But think about this. The first quarter was one of the best quarters we've seen in a long, long time for bonds. And why was that? Interest rates went lower. To keep it very simple, interest rates go down, bond prices historically go higher. And we had a surprise drop in yields across the board globally in the first quarter. And why was that? kind of the concern of the global economy slowing down. So the bond market saying, hey, maybe something's wrong here. Look at the stock market. I just said China's up 40%. Europe's all of a sudden starting to do well from a stock market point of view. U.S. is just a few percent from all-time high. So stocks are saying maybe something good's happening. you got this big dichotomy between the two. We look under the surface, though. We look at like uh, you know high-yield spreads, and not to get too geeky here, investment-grade spreads. We still think corporate America is in very good shape. Banks continue to lend. Those are some positive things that we think the economy is going to be better the second half of the year. And what could that lead to? Potentially a little bit higher 10-year yield, higher higher yields across the board. That could put a little bit of a mute on uh, kind of what bonds do the rest of this year. But again, what happens when we have pullbacks, as we've seen, bond, the fourth quarter specifically, 
Fixed income did really well. It was a nice place to have some portfolio exposure when stocks sell off. And late in the cycle, we expect a really volatile ride when it comes to stocks. So we're a little bit underweight as it comes to fixed income, buying a little higher quality things. Because late in the cycle, you don't want to own you know, kind of the poor quality fixed income. You want higher quality fixed income. So that's kind of the, the world we're investing in for our investors. But still, always a place for fixed income. Just we'd be a little underweight and not quite as uh, bullish on that. We still think stocks are probably the play, really, for the next year or so. So stocks are the play, but I mm -hmm. also see that that you guys are beginning to take a little bit of a, I, I would call it a defensive position with stocks, given the fact that we are very, very close, if not already, at all-time highs by the time uh, this interview airs. Uh, would you lift the hood a little bit on on research's thinking on, on where we are specifically with stocks from a defensive position? Right, John. That's so. So John Lynch is my boss. He's our chief investment strategist. We've had a lot of discussions about this, and about two weeks ago, when we had a really good update after the Fed, John and I got together and we said, you know, people are really optimistic, and from that contrarian point of view, maybe that's a little bit of a worrisome sign. So we reined in, in a lot of the models that we run, we were overweight equities. We're just market weight equities now, and we're trying to get there across the board. So by no means are we, you know, quote unquote bearish on stocks. We still think they can continue to go up, but we are definitely reining in a little bit. And I think John and I have talked about is, hey, we're reining in a little bit in some of our models we run, but we think there could be a 10% correction later this year, maybe even more, and that could be a time to get back in. You know, There's always a better time to potentially buy on, on bigger pullbacks, and with a big rally, that's kind of how we're looking at things. But you mentioned defensive. You know, It's not like we're going into utilities and, and telecom and some of the more purely defensive areas of the market. You know, We continue to think the cyclicals are the play, financials, technology, industrials. Industrials had a great first quarter. So those are the groups that on an eventual correction and pullback, which we hope happens, I will, we'll use it as an opportunity here, those are still the areas we're going to get into. Um, so we're not like pure defensive here, but we definitely are kind of waiting, you know, it's baseball, right? We're waiting for our pitch, and we don't think this is the best pitch right here, so we're going to be patient with it. You right. notice that they pivoted from the final four to baseball since we have just well, completed sure. the final four and now we're stepping into uh, true baseball season. Always topical. Hey, hey Ryan, we have just a, less than a minute left, but we did want to throw this at you. We talk about uh, the overall arching theme here is is slow down but still opportunity. What What are the disruptors out there, potential disruptors that could change what you guys are thinking? Sure. Potential disruptors are kind of the well-knowns that are out there. The global economy has shown signs of slowing. If that continues to go, that can be an issue. And then the Fed. You know, you have some people that think the Fed should cut interest rates right here. Others don't. I mean, could there be a Fed policy mistake? But I'll keep it real simple right here, guys. We think this is a lot like 1994-95. In 94, you had really good earnings, yet the stock market did nothing. And then the Fed did a pivot and turned neutral. What happened in 95? Stocks did really well, even though the economy went, was worse the next year. Sounds all like this year, right? Good earnings last year. Stocks didn't do much. We had the Fed pivot. And now as the economy is slower than it was a year ago, that doesn't mean stocks can't continue to kind of do well. And that's kind of how we see things playing out in 2019 here. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us as always. Thanks, guys. See you next month. Appreciate it. You're listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. More where that came from after the break. More straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money coming at you. We're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. Talking financial literacy all month long on the Get Ready for the Future show. We are education-driven at GenWealth, and we also provide opportunities for our clients and prospective clients to join us for a free workshop occasionally. And the GenWealth Academy workshop that is Closest to you is coming up on April 23rd at 6.30 at the Crown Plaza. We're going to be talking about the three big risks, and those risks are associated to your retirement. What are you going to be facing, whether you go into retirement next year or a decade from now? Those risks are going to be there. They are going to be prevalent, and they're going to have to be dealt with, and we will provide some strategies that could be possible solutions to taking on the challenges of those risks. It's one of our most popular Gen Wealth Academy workshops. It's free for you to attend. You can make plans to join us now by going to getreadyforthefuture.com forward slash events. Sign up for free, 6.30 at the Crown Plaza on April 23rd. We are talking today about the most common retirement plans. And we talked before our interview with Ryan Dietrich from LPL Research about how Generation Xers, according to a new survey, are the 
most likely to be ill-prepared for retirement. And that is defined as being born between 1965 and 1980. But I do want to point out as kind of a put to put a bow around that conversation is the good news there is, is doing a little math. If you round up to 2020, that means you're going to be 40 to 55 years old, right? There's still plenty of time, especially if you're on the lower end of the 40s. But even at 55, you have catch-up opportunities to get into these employer-sponsored plans or even if you don't have access to one, another retirement plan to build savings for your retirement. So as we dive in to the seven most common, there is sort of this, uh, I guess, the way we kind of refer to retirement plans as an all-encompassing 401k. You know, I think we even do it on this show, right? When we talk about employer-sponsored plans, we say your 401k. But the the reality is there are a lot of different types. But let's start with the 401k. It is the most common, usually offered by larger for-profit businesses. It's considered a defined contribution plan, primarily funded by the employee, but it often comes with a match. And, and, you know, when when you are... A new employee and you're hired on, this usually takes the form of, here you go, here's a packet, sign up, have it back to me by Friday. Yeah, that's the flaw of of where we're at right now with the 401k plan uh, is that there is just not a great amount of education. Uh, They they herd people into a room and try to talk to them for five or ten minutes about it, or they hand them a packet and say, figure it out on your own and have it back by Friday and pick the big number on the mutual fund or whatever it is that you're going to invest in. And and that is just, as I've said before on this show, that is literally like giving uh, a teenager that's never driven before the keys to your expensive vehicle and the owner's manual and saying, here you go, figure it out. Don't give them any instruction. Don't give them any coaching. Don't give them any drive along lessons or anything of that nature. That's where we are with 401k. 401k is a great opportunity for people. Uh, There is very few places that you can go and get a anywhere from a 50 to a hundred percent return on your money before it's ever invested. An employer matching plan with a 401k does just that. It's a great opportunity to put money in before taxes. If you're going to put a hundred dollars into your 401k, you're probably going to see about a 70 to $80 reduction in your paycheck, the other amount of that money goes uh, comes from the money that you would have spent on taxes. So there's really nothing wrong with the 401k. What's wrong is our utilization of the 401k. Yeah, absolutely. I, I clearly remember when I started teaching, and, and keep in mind, I mean, just out of college, 22 years old, I started teaching, and when I, I was signing up for all the stuff that you mm-hmm. sign up for when you get a new job, I remember them saying, Oh, and you'll need to sign up for the cafeteria plan. And, and I remember the thought that went through my mind was, I mean, there was a cafeteria plan at UCA, but the, yes. I, what, you know, I, seriously. Yeah, exactly. What in the world is a cafeteria plan? You thought and, you got to eat in the lunchroom for free. Right? <laughs> it wasn't going to be free. It was going to cost me something. Yes, you know? So seriously, I mean, a person with a college education, a person who has been raised to pay attention to money, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what that was. Right. And yep. Nobody explained it to me either, right. you know. And so think about how many people in, in our generation, Scott, yeah. how many people went to get a job and had some conversation like that where the person across the table sounded like Charlie Brown's teacher and they're like, that's probably something I ought to know what it is, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. And nobody, again, nobody explained it. So let me just put this out there. If you're in that situation, if you go, Man, there's some stuff here I probably ought to understand, but I'm I'm frankly embarrassed to ask anybody at work because I feel like they all know and I don't. Come see us. We have people ask us about that stuff all the time, and and we're not worried about it. You shouldn't be embarrassed by it. It's okay. We're more than happy to explain it to you. Scott, one of the things that has been a problem with the 401k is that it's easy for people to break into it, so to speak, yeah. when they change jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of doing a rollover, they think, well, I'm going to pay off that debt. I'm going to cash out this thing and go buy my boat or whatever the deal is. That's been a problem, and they've, they've tried to figure out how you can, you know, unify that or, or keep that from happening. But again, we are our own worst enemy in that. Troy, we see that periodically when people come in and they're they're betwixt and in between. They don't know whether to roll over or cash out. And we always encourage them to do something that is beneficial to their financial situation. Yeah. If you cash out that 401k, especially if you're under age 59 and a half, then not only do you have to pay taxes on all that, so it's going to increase your taxable income for the year, but you're also going to have to pay a 10% penalty to the IRS for taking 
making that early distribution. So that's normally not the way you want to go with the 401k. Yeah. So think about that. If you make uh, f- even fifty or $60,000 a year in income and you've built up $50,000 in your 401k, you leave your employer and you decide to cash that out to pay off debt, you've now made $100,000 in that year or 110 if I round up to 60 there. It's added on to yes. your taxable income. And then as Troy said, if you're not 59 and a half, another 10%. So you're likely going to be penalized. Let's just call it that. 20% or more for taking that money out. Well, and that's not the the biggest hurt. The biggest hurt is if you have $50,000 in your 401k and you're young, think about the compounding of that. Yes. If you say the rule of 72 basically says that that uh, money will double every 10 years if it gets around a 7% rate of return. So every 10 years, you could see that money double. So it would go from 50 to 100 to 200 to maybe $300,000 that you would be losing in your retirement program simply because you're going to cash it out and end up netting about twenty five or thirty thousand dollars to go spend on something that you probably should either a not have spent the money on or b should have had another way of dealing with that problem uh, or that that expenditure other than your retirement savings now, john that, go ahead so, sorry john i had a client that called one time and he had about thirty thousand dollars and was changing jobs and he said same thing you just said there i'm going to pay off some debt he said it's only thirty thousand dollars i can save that back up well i did the calculation based on his age and kind of a reasonable rate of return over until he was going to be about 65 years old and i told him i said you're not making a thirty thousand dollar decision here you're making about a two hundred thousand dollar decision exactly right just illustrates what you're talking about there so that's one of the options if you do build up retirement savings in a 401k and then leave that employer. That's the option we would almost never recommend. I should probably take almost out of that. We (laughs) would never recommend there would be, I can't think of a circumstance that that would be a good option, but you do need to know your options. You can leave it in that former employer plan, even though you're going to work for a new employer. You can roll it into the new employer plan, or you can roll it into an IRA. Those other three options are not taxable occurrences and won't penalize you that 10% if you're under 59 and a half. We'll get into the IRA in a little bit, but the things I think you need to know when it comes to the 401k is what is your employer match? And I, and I can't tell you, I don't know about you guys, but I've met with a lot of folks who, when we ask that question, they don't know the answer. They don't know what their employer match is. And then you also need to know, well, how much can I put back into that 401k? Well, the contribution limit goes up every year, ticks up every year. 2019 limit is $19,000. So there's a lot of room for you to pile savings into that employer-sponsored plan. And if you're over 50, it's another $6,000. So that's $25,000 that you have the opportunity to set aside in your 401k. And one of the best things about uh, the 401k of late, Janet, is this evolution that's happened and the uh, adaptation of the Roth 401k, because that gives you the opportunity to forego the tax savings on the front end of a 401k, but get tax-free income in retirement. And again, you talk about the compounding power of, of time, that time has that impact on your investing. And Troy, if we go back to that $30,000 decision that was really a $200,000 decision, let's just use that. If that money had been invested in a Roth 401k, and let's not even talk about the employer part of it, but let's say the employee has $30,000 in the Roth portion. By the time they get to retirement, that's $200,000 in the Roth portion. That means that's all tax-free. Now, one thing to clarify here, the employer match is always going to be traditional dollars, meaning it will be taxable upon withdrawal. The reason it works that way is your employer is getting a tax break for making that contribution into your 401k. But I want to back up and even talk about the match for just a moment. I want to challenge you. If you don't know what your match is, let me tell you, if we ran a commercial on the radio just a couple of times a month. And I mean, you know, two 30 second spots. And we said, here's the deal. We've got a hundred thousand dollars that we're going to give away and we're going to match you dollar for dollar. We'll meet you out here on the street corner. How many people would know about it? Now, just to be clear, we're not doing that. We're not. (laughs) In case you just tuned in. (laughs) But but, I mean, seriously, how many people would know about it? And you would be first in line and Mm -hmm. you'd bring as much money as you could to get the rest of the match, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's inside your 401k. And every day you're going to work and leaving free money on the table because you didn't ask. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So you, you've got to think about this from the standpoint of how can you, you manipulate your budget to be able to take advantage of this? There are some decisions that you've got to make. Uh, sometimes you have to sacrifice good for great. And, yeah. and, and literally the 401k is a great deal. So you need to think about what are the things that you can set aside or pause in your life that you can get the maximum match on a 401k plan. So we're talking today on the Get Ready for the Future show about the seven most common retirement plans. And we spent the entirety of this segment talking about the 401k and the Roth 401k, which obviously go together in the same plan if that is offered through your employer. So the big takeaways, again, know that the 2019 contribution limit is $19,000 for employees. And if you're over 50, and we talked about those Gen Xers maybe being behind on retirement, if that's you, if you're closing in 10, 15, 20 years out and you need to catch up, that's why it's called the catch-up provision. It adds $6,000 to that $19,000 contribution limit if you're 50 plus. So great opportunity there in your employer plan. We're going to talk about the 403B and the 457 plus simples and seps right around the corner. Stay in touch with the Get Ready for the Future show during the week. Search Facebook for Gen Wealth Financial Advisors or follow us on Twitter at Gen Wealth FA. More straight talk about money after this break. got questions we've got answers email info at getreadyforthefuture.com with your name location and question to get a response on the air from the gen wealth team now back to the get ready for the future show all month long it's financial literacy month on the get ready for the future show and this week we are talking about employer-sponsored retirement plans and other retirement plans available to you. We spent the last segment talking about 401ks and do want to make mention to you as we talked about those options that you have available if you leave an employer, you shouldn't walk through that alone. You should sit down with a financial advisor and talk about those options, the pros and cons of each. That's something we do each and every day with our clients here at GenWealth. If you'd like to reach out and set up an appointment, you can call 501 653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355 to just have a discussion about your options if you are have you've recently left an employer and want to know what should I do with that 401k sitting behind. That first appointment is complimentary. It doesn't cost you anything to have that discussion. We have offices in Bryant, West Little Rock, Hot Springs, El Dorado, and Northwest Louisiana. Well, we move on to some other types of employer-sponsored plans. They are very similar, guys, to the 401k, though. We're going to bring in the 403b. We're going to bring in the 457. We're also going to talk about the TSP, but they all basically, at least mechanically, work the same as the 401k. Um, very similar. Uh, some of these do not have a match. Some of them yeah. do. A 403b is is very prevalent in the public school system, in the nonprofit organization system, uh, healthcare agencies, things of that nature. Those are simply just a derivative of the 401k. And the 457 plan is much the same for state and local governments. Uh, they are employer-sponsored plans by those governments, and the employees are able to make make a contribution to those. Many times the government plans do not have a match because they are sponsoring also a pension plan. The government area is the one last bastion of the pension. Those right. are publicly funded and it's sort of a, a carrot to folks that are not all that greatly paid when it comes to putting their lives on the line in the fire department, police department, things of that nature. Uh, they get a pension and they have an opportunity to contribute to a 457. So the 457, as you mentioned, is, is not matched. That's why they call this a deferred comp plan, meaning I'm going to defer some of my compensation, pay me later instead of paying me now. So there's not a match on that. But I would encourage you to participate in it, even though there's not a match, because the importance for people who have this is, John, as you mentioned, they also have a pension. This is what will give you flexibility in retirement. That pension is just going to be a monthly check. But if you need to put your hands on $10,000 out of the blue one day just because you need $10,000, you're going to need 
state access to something like your 457. And Scott, very similarly in the federal government realm, of course, the federal government has the uh, Thrift Savings Program, which is very similar to a 457 program, but it's for federal employees. And federal employees have the Federal Employee Retirement System, Mm -hmm. which is a pension program. So similar setup there. You've got your pension that gives you a monthly check and you've got cash that is built up in your TSP program. And that money does grow on a tax deferred basis. There is also a Roth option in the TSP. The difference in the TSP is you are going to have access to a match. Now, the matches are different depending Mm -hmm. on what part of the government you work for. So we can't say this is how it works because it it does vary from one to another. And we work with, uh, Troy, I know you work with a lot of Little Rock police officers. You do too, Janet. We've retired Little Rock firefighters, federal employees. I can't emphasize enough, reiterate what Janet said, having that additional savings uh, complements the pension and gives you a lot of options in retirement. Yeah, you don't want to just have that pension because if you think about it, if you are a, a government employee like that, then if you wind up with just your pension in your retirement, then you're kind of in the same boat as the person that's just living on Social social Security. Right. So like Janet said, you want to have some flexibility with some lump sum assets as well. All right, so we're going to move into the discussion on simple IRAs and SEP IRAs. So this has IRA attached to it, not 401k, and this is typically the simple plan particularly is involved with smaller businesses. It is an IRA plan offered by usually smaller employers who do not offer more complex retirement plans. Still, it is an opportunity for an employee to make a tax-deductible contribution to the plan, and then the employer must either make a matching contribution up to 3% of the employee's salary or non-elective contribution. So there's still opportunities to get a match. The limits are a little lower uh, than they are uh, in the 401k realm, but this is still an opportunity that employees of smaller businesses like GenWealth, we might point out, uh, have a great opportunity to put money away for retirement. Yeah, we're not preaching uh, to the choir by any stretch of the imagination here. We, we, you know, eat our own cooking here. We, We have a simple program for our employees here at GenWealth. And I will tell you, that, that a simple IRA program as an employer plan that you can allow your employees to contribute to. You have a, a, a small match that you're obligated to put into the simple program, but you could couple that with our MoneyWorks program. MoneyWorks is an employee education program. So think about this. You've got MoneyWorks to teach your employees what they need to do with their money and a simple IRA, which is a version of a 401k plan, but is way, way less expensive and way way less burdensome than a 401k plan would be for a small business. The combination of those two things, you've got a great benefit package when you do that because you're educating them on what they need to know about money and then giving them the opportunity to actually implement that education through an employer-sponsored plan that costs you very little money to implement. We'd love to sit down with you and talk with you about that. If you are a owner of a small business or if you're an employee of a small business, Go and uh, nudge your your employer and say, hey, go talk to those folks at GenWealth because they were talking about education and implementation of an employee plan to help us with our retirement. All right. So a SEP, that is an acronym that stands for Simplified Employee Pension, and it allows small businesses to have a simple method of administering a retirement plan for their employees as well. But there are some distinct differences between a simple IRA and a SEP IRA. And the first thing I usually talk about with clients, guys, is first of all, how many employees do you have? Because that's going to be the major determination. It it is a huge factor. And let me say before we dive off into the details on the SEP versus simple, because we are education driven, we wanted to provide some information to help you understand the difference between a SEP and a simple. Because guys, when we sit down with employers who say, I want to offer a retirement plan, they don't know which one they want. And many times they'll come in saying, I want a SEP, and then we go through the conversation and really a simple is going to be the better answer or vice versa. Um, It is very rare for somebody to come in from day one and say, this is what I want, and they know the reason that they want it and they're on the right track. So if you would like some information about what is a SEP, what is a simple, what do I need to know to understand the difference, all you need to do is contact us. You can email us at info 
info at getreadyforthefuture.com, info at getreadyforthefuture.com. So that's I-N-F-O. And just email us, tell us you want to learn more about SEPs and Simples, and we will send you that information. And the good news is it's one page for each of them. It's not a book that you have to read. It's one page that really breaks it down very simply. Uh, There's really no legitimate excuse uh, of not exploring this. Maybe you've got a legitimate excuse for not implementing it, something in your business that's not evident that we don't know about, but there's no excuse for not exploring this and understanding how you can actually facilitate a better financial future for your employees. Absolutely. So when it comes to that SEP, the reason they are most advantageous uh, for people with few employees is because the employer is making the full contribution here. The employee doesn't actually make it, but this works very well for people, let's say, who have a small business, an LLC or or an S-Corp that doesn't uh, really have a payroll. They, they're, right. just, they're just maybe them and their spouse that are uh, needing some retirement savings. The employer, the employer is their their business, but they can make the contribution for them as an employee of their own business. Most entrepreneurs have the attitude of, I want my employees to have some skin in the game in in their retirement. And so they want to have a program where the employee makes a contribution and they pitch in some themselves. Some employers say, you know what, I'm going to do this for my employees as a part of their compensation. And whatever the employer does for himself in terms of a percentage of his income that goes into that SEP for him, he has to do a like percentage for his employee's salary into that same SEP program. And so it does become quite expensive if you have a number of employees. That's why the simple program is the most popular of those two. Yeah, the SEP contribution is the highest among them as well. 25% of compensation up to $56,000. That's the limit on 2019. All right, so those are the employer plans. We've only got about a minute left, but we're going to talk about uh, IRAs too. Those are very common retirement plans. These are not employer-sponsored, but they are options for people who do not have any an employer-sponsored plan at their disposal. Let's talk real quickly about IRAs and the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. If you go to our social media page, you can see a great video of Austin Evans talking about IRAs and Roth IRAs and and, uh, the difference between the traditional and the Roth IRA. But the bottom line of it is, if your employer just doesn't offer anything for whatever reason, I can tell you that you can still control your destiny with an IRA or a Roth IRA. I would also go back to Scott our generation on this. If you're behind on retirement and you feel like it's not within your grasp, you have the ability to supplement what you can do at work through setting up a, either a Roth or a traditional IRA. Mm-hmm. Hey, one thing I'll point out on the IRAs also, a lot of people, this this can go unnoticed, but for 2019, they did up the max that you can put into an IRA up to $6,000. Mm-hmm. So if you were doing 5500 last year, right. it's gone up to 6000 So you may want to call your advisor and increase those contributions as well. Well, we have covered a lot, to say the least, on today's Get Ready for the Future show. We certainly hope you have taken something away from the show. But if you want to learn more, there is always an opportunity to sit down with an advisor. Regardless of the plan you have, if you need some help with allocations, maybe you left an employer recently, you need some help working through your decisions on a possible rollover, or maybe you need to go through the ready-to-retire process here at GenWealth to get ready for turning those assets into a distribution stream of income. We can help with all of those decisions, just call 501-653-7355 or reach out to us via email, info at getreadyforthefuture.com to set up a complimentary first appointment with the Gen Wealth Financial Advisor. That's all the time we have on this week's show. We thank you for listening, and we will be back with you again next Saturday. The Gen Wealth Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Gen Wealth Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Gen Wealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. See you.